Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Daniel, chapters 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time, so that he might interpret the dream for him. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Uh, well, if you're joining us for the first time today, my name is Aaron, and for the past few weeks, we've been doing a series on faith and work. And the reason why we've been doing a series on faith and work is because the Christian life is not just about you coming to church on Sundays, but it's about how you can connect your Sunday to your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So when it comes to our faith and work, they don't just run parallel to one another, but when it comes to your faith and work, they very much intersect and uh, intertwine together. Okay, so over the past 10 to 15 years, I would say there have been sort of this influx and abundant amount of resources on faith and work. And so one of the things that I've been trying to do over the past few weeks is to talk about things where there aren't as many resources on. So for example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did a whole sermon on risk, uh, which you can listen to on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, today, I wanted to talk about something that there aren't many uh, resources on as well, and that is the idea of influence. 
specifically influencing when you're not in charge. And uh, let me explain a little bit why I think this is important. Uh, Craig Groeschel on his leadership podcast, he says that the number one question that he gets asked in his mailbag is, how do I lead up when I'm not in charge? Reason why that's the number one question is because most of us are not at the top. Most of us are somewhere in the middle or middle bottom. And so the question then is, you know, if you're not the boss, manager, C-level person, how do I influence, how do I lead up uh, when I'm not in charge? Because uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, no matter where you are on that totem pole, you do have the ability to influence, okay? So what is, let's define our terms, what is influence? Let me contrast influence with fame just for a moment. Fame is when you're trying to change other people's perception of you. That's what fame is. Influence is when you're trying to change other people's perceptions, not of you, but one of your ideas. That's what influencing is. So whether you're, um, you have a corner office, you're an intern, Wherever you are, you have the ability to influence other people with your ideas, okay? So just because you have a title doesn't mean you're a leader. Just because you don't have a title, it doesn't mean you're not a leader. Every one of us is a leader if we can influence other people. This is why John Maxwell defined leadership as one word, your ability to influence. And so that's what we're gonna take a look at today. And I think this is, uh, a pretty important topic because the more you're able to influence your organization or team or church with your good ideas, the stronger your organization, company, or team will be. So what I want to do is to fly uh, 10,000 feet up in the air again for a moment, and I want us to take an aerial view at the life of Daniel and how he was able to influence people in his workplace uh, with four things. Number one, he was able to influence because he had wisdom. Number two, he was able to influence because he had timing. Number three, his problem solving. Number four, the way that he honored others. So those are the four things I want to take a look at. Now, if you are unfamiliar with Daniel, Daniel was part of the Jewish intelligentsia. However, he and his fellow countrymen and women were besieged and taken captive and deported from Israel all the way to Babylon. What the Babylonians did is that they took the people of royal nobility from Israel that were sharp, handsome, you know, intelligent, and they set them apart to specifically work for the king. So they taught them the Babylonian language, culture, propaganda, all that kind of stuff. And this is what King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, discovered about Daniel and his friends in verse 19 and 20. It says this, the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. You do not need a title to influence others, but you do need wisdom. And what Nebuchadnezzar found out about Daniel and his friends is that they were 10 times wiser than everyone else. So what is wisdom? Well, let me contrast wisdom with knowledge. Knowledge is information. Wisdom is information applied. 
give you another term. Knowledge is book smarts. Wisdom is book smarts on the streets. It's the ability to skillfully navigate through life. Okay, that's what wisdom is. I like what Charles Spurgeon said about wisdom when he said this. To know is not to be wise. So good. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom or the right application of knowledge. That is wisdom. Now, why is wisdom so important for the influencing process? It's because when you are, uh, it's because when you, wisdom gives you the credibility and authority uh, even more so than a title, okay? So this is the reason why Nebuchadnezzar is so impressed by them. I think, I think, I think one way of capturing this is uh, simply this. The more wisdom you add to your team, organization, church, company, the more wisdom you add, the more influence you will have. So generally speaking, here's a question. <laughs> generally speaking, do you add wisdom to your work environment? Or when it comes to your insights and opinions, do people kind of roll their eyes? Are you adding value? Are you adding wisdom? Because one of the ways of influencing others is by the influence uh, that you have. And for those of you who are in leadership positions, uh, I like what Jim Collins said in his very seminal book, Good to Great, when he said this, leaders must have the humility to aspire to be the dumbest person in the room. If your aspiration is to be the smartest person in the room because you're so insecure, you are the ceiling to your organization or company. The best leaders always surround themselves with smarter people uh, than them. Don't be the ceiling to your own company, organization, or team. So you need wisdom to be able to influence. Number two, you also need timing. In verse one, it says this, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. Shakespeare once said, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. And here Nebuchadnezzar has insomnia. He cannot sleep. But the reason why Nebuchadnezzar can't sleep isn't because of stress related to his job, but the reason why he can't sleep is because he's having these dreams. And it's not just one dream. It's multiple dreams. And what's so fascinating about these dreams is that it's the same dream occurring over and over and over again. And because these dreams are sort of tormenting him, he can't sleep. And so as a result, he gets all the wise men in his cabinet, and he wants them to help interpret this dream for him. But here's the thing. He doesn't just want them to interpret this dream for him. He wants them to tell him his dream. You know why? Because anyone can, quote, unquote, interpret a dream. Not everyone can tell you what you actually dream. But for him, this was the litmus test to see if they were legit or not. And how do the wise men respond? They say, this is irrational. You're being unreasonable here. Only the gods can do what you're asking, and they do not live among us. And so this makes Nebuchadnezzar so furious that in verse 12 to 14, he says this. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put, to, uh, was to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, 
had gone out to be put to death, the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Daniel realizes his boss is going crazy, but what he also realizes is that there's this opportune time to influence his king and to save everyone, uh, all the wise men uh, in the kingdom. And similarly, I will say that there will be times where your organization, company, or church is at a crossroads and you have an opportunity or time to influence whatever work environment you're in in the right ways instead of the wrong ways, but timing is critical. This is why we say expressions like timing is everything or your timing was off because timing is everything. So there are seasons where you should be patient and not rush into things. Um, Someone once said the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. My wife once said we we were arguing about the name of his sushi place. I got it right. And she said, you know, Aaron, when you're wrong, you're wrong. And even when you're right, you're wrong to me. So, but the point is, the right thing at the wrong time, still the wrong, wrong thing. There are other times, though, when there is this moment, you got to seize it. There's this opportunity, this seminal moment. you got to grab the bull by the horns. This is why we use expressions like an elevator pitch. You've got 30 seconds on this elevator. Are you ready or not? So there are times where you need to wait don't rush it. There are other times where you need to take opportunity uh, to seize the bull by the horns. Uh, when you're baking, timing matters. Jazz musician in an ensemble, timing matters. When you're dancing, timing matters. If you're a comedian, timing matters. If you're interviewing and you want to send a thank you note within 24 hours, timing matters. This is how the Oxford English Dictionary defines timing. The choice, judgment, or control of when something should be done. So timing is critical when we're trying to influence, okay? William Ward, British missionary, he once said that opportunities are like sunrises. If you wait too long, you miss them. For Daniel, this was his time. This was his opportunity to influence the king and to save lives. And so in verse 15 to 16, He says this, he asked the king's officer, this is Ariok, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Ariok then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Notice what Daniel does here. He not only brings wisdom and timing to the table, but he's also a problem solver. He doesn't just critique the situation. Why is the king ordering such a harsh edict or decree? He doesn't just critique the situation, but he also creates a solution. He wants more time to solve this mystery or whatever this dream is. Anyone can critique. Not everyone can create a solution. Any lazy person can point out problems. It takes hard work, though, to be a problem solver. Clay Scroggins in his book, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, says this. The line between critical thinking And being critical is razor thin. Being critical gives us a sense of power, but it doesn't move anything forward. I would go on to say being critical gives us a false sense of power, but it doesn't really get the ball moving forward. If you're the kind of person 
that is only pointing out problems, you might think that you're smarter than everyone else, but the truth of the matter is the way that everyone is looking at you is burdensome. If you're only pointing out problems but not creating solutions to what's taking place. However, you decrease problems, you increase in influence. You decrease other people's load, you increase in influence as well. So the question is, are you the kind of person that is a critical thinker or are you just plain critical? And this not only applies to our work environments, but it also applies to our relationships as well. Now, it's very possible that some of you might be thinking, well, I am trying, I am bringing ideas to the table. No one's listening to me. And that might be true. And so if you are the kind of person that is at the top level somewhere, Patrick Lencioni once says this, if people don't weigh in, they can't buy in. So if you're a leader, you need to be able to listen to what other people are saying, weigh into their opinions, and to, 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 to give them a seat at the table because what they're saying might be true. If you're in charge and you don't care what other people have to say, either you have the wrong team or you're the wrong leader. Okay? So fortunately for Nebuchadnezzar, he weighs into what Daniel has to say because in verse 30, this is what happens. As for me, Daniel says, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. So Daniel not only is wise, he not only understands timing, he not only is a problem solver, but he also honors the king by referring to him as his majesty. Now keep in mind that King Nebuchadnezzar wants to kill him, but he still honors him. Have you ever heard the expression, respect is earned, but honor is given? You might not respect your coworkers or your boss, but you can still honor them. Okay, there's a difference between respecting and, and honoring them. And when you honor someone, you can influence them as well. Uh, Craig Rochelle was telling this story. And by the way, if you don't know Craig Rochelle, he's a, he's a pastor here in the States. And uh, I don't know if you've used the YouVersion Bible app. It's a billion subscribers. So a lot of people. He and his church were the ones that started the YouVersion Bible app. So a billion subscribers, that's a lot. So very influential, hundreds of people that work uh, in the church and organization. There's a young intern that wanted to talk with Craig about an idea that he had. Ordinarily, they would never interact. So the young intern went to Craig's assistant and he, and, and he said, here are my three points. This is what I want to talk about. And I just want seven minutes of Craig's time. Assistant showed it to Craig. Craig looked at the three points. Pretty good idea. Seven minutes, not that bad. So he took the meeting. The young intern said, you know, Craig, thanks so much for the meeting. He took out his phone, turned on the stopwatch for seven minutes. <laughs> And he played it right in front of him. And he said, here are my three points. And after he was done with his pitch, Craig was like, whoa, this was really good. Can we talk some more? And so they ended up talking for 20 more minutes. You know why that happened? It, was, it wasn't only because the content was good, but it was also because of the way that he honored Craig. When he honored his time, he was also honoring him. What's the most important thing for a leader? It's not money. It's their time. Time you can't get more of. And so by honoring his time, he was also honoring uh, him as well. And so here's the point, especially if you're not at the like, top, top, top. 
the more you learn how to be under people, the better you will be when you are over people. And one of the best ways of being under people is by showing honor to those that uh, are above you as well. Honoring them, uh, honoring their time, uh, honoring them with your speech, particularly behind their back, honoring them by even assuming that there might be more to this story that I am unaware of, but because I know that leaders bear a certain kind of responsibility, I'm willing to be patient and I'm willing to be more understanding because I might not have the entire picture of what is taking place. And because Daniel shows honor to the king and he's so influential while being under people, he is also placed over people as well. And in verse 48, it says, then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Your ability to lead up now will help determine your ability to move up later. Your ability to influence now will help determine your ability to also move up later, just like Daniel and just like what Jesus says in Luke 16.10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Daniel was trusted with a little, therefore he was trusted with much. And one of the things that I so respect about Daniel is that he was very public about his faith, even though he worked in an environment that was incredibly hostile to Christianity. And similarly, I know that there are some of you in this room that believe in Jesus, but you might not work in exactly the most friendliest workplace possible. But Daniel was able to still be faithful to his commitments to Jesus and yet still be influential. And my fear is that sometimes we are not as influential as we could be because of what Spurgeon once said. Spurgeon said this, the reason why we are not influential in the world is because the world is so influential over us. So we don't really look that different than the rest of our coworkers and our bosses. And so this is the reason why Jesus had to come because there is more of us in the world influencing us than us influencing the world. But what does Daniel do? He intercedes as the mediator over the people, right? And it's because of his mediation that his friends and all the other wise men who, by the way, were jealous of him and hated him, later on throw him in the lion's den, even his enemies, because of his intercession and mediation, he's able to save all those people. Now, when you hear that story, what does that sound like? Someone's divine intervention, saving people, even people that did not like him? It's pointing to the greater Daniel, Jesus Christ. It's interesting here that the wise men say, no one can interpret these dreams except the gods, and they do not live here among us. And when you hear that, it's also hard not to think about what the Christmas story is about. When God became incarnate and lived among us. And he himself, there's a difference between dreams and prophecies. But Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all prophecies. And he came as the great revelation of all revelations for us. And the reason why he came is to sort of be that hovering, that safety blanket, not over the wrath of an unjust king, but over the wrath of a just king. 
And a lot of that is because, all of it is because of our sin. The fact that the world has influenced us more than us influencing the world. It's because of our foolishness at times, our poor timing, uh, the way that we critique without problem solving, the ways that we don't honor but gossip behind people's back. He died for all of those things to make us right. Because who is Jesus? He's the embodiment of wisdom. He came at the perfect time. He lived the perfect life, died the perfect death. He came not just to critique us, but to actually create a solution for us in the cross and in the, in the resurrection. And he came to honor us. He came to wash our feet. And then he died naked on the cross. And when Jesus prayed his final prayer, his prayer was not answered. And the reason why his prayer was not answered is so that our prayers for everlasting life could be answered. So let me just close with this. We have all been influenced, and we are also influencers as well. When you think about the um, uh, 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 influencer market, social media market, it's a $10 billion industry. Okay, all of us are being influenced, and we influence others. And at times, we influence others because of our narcissism or our desire to make other people feel envious about our own highlight reel and our own lives. But all of us have the ability to influence other people. The question is, are we going to do it the right way or the wrong way? Are we going to use our influence and our powers for the greater good, just like Daniel does? Or are we going to use it to build the kingdom of self rather than the kingdom of God? How are you going to use this gift that you have called influence? Let's pray together. God, so much of how good we are at influencing depends on our heart. Uh, your word says that out of the mouth, uh, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, so much of how we influence other people, you know, is conditioned on our heart. You know, hurt people hurt people. And so it is our prayer that we will be as healthy as possible so we can influence other people in, in the most healthy way possible as well. In your name I pray. Amen. We transition to a time of offering. Uh, we like to say this generosity liturgy before we give, and so let's say this together. Heavenly Father, you have made us the richest of people through Christ our Lord, yet we often live as if we are poor and without hope. Greed, envy, jealousy, and fear run rampant in our hearts when we have forgotten about the riches of our inheritance. Reorient us to the way of the cross, change the way we think about money, that it may no longer be something we save or spend, but rather a gift from you that we steward. In the name of Jesus, your Son, and by your Spirit, we pray.